Welcome back to another episode of Talk Script. I'm Tori Rice. Today, Nick Nisi and I will be talking script with Ionic and Stack Builders. So without further ado, let's get into it. Joining us today, we have Mike Hardington from Ionic. Mike, how's it going? Hello, everyone. Uh, it's going well. Um, enjoying a nice, nice cold day, so bundled up as uh, much as I could be. Good. You got to keep yourself warm to keep those types flowing. I. Uh, that's Nick. A, that's a good pun. Wow, wow, Nick. You know what? Now <laughs> I'm re- I'm going to release this in the summer. That's what I've decided right now, just right now, just to make this whole segment seem really weird. It's incredibly. Well, updated. we could be in the other side of the world. You know, could but uh, Southern Hemisphere. Uh, I don't true. know how that works, given that the Earth is flat. But all right, we'll just. <laughs> got me there. You got me there. <laughs> so, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm um, a developer advocate at Ionic. Uh, we do a lot of tools for developers who want to do um, cross-platform development, um, mobile apps, design systems, um, a lot of tooling in the JavaScript TypeScript uh, space. So um been doing this for, for quite a bit of time now, and... Uh, I love it. Every day is kind of a new challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. We're excited to have you here. And uh, we've we've spoken to uh, Ionic before about some of the cool stuff that they've been doing. And of course, uh, you had a workshop at TSConf this year. Uh, do you want to tell us about it? Yeah. So I did a workshop on um, kind of our, our, our flagship project called uh, Ionic. Uh, the project and the company are the same thing. Um, built a nice little mobile app um, using our framework, uh, using Angular as our framework flavor, uh, and then touched on how to deploy that to um, a native device and have access to things like um, the device's file system, Bluetooth, geolocation, uh, the kind of usual suspects of native APIs, um, and how all of that was just you import a package you 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 uh, get an instance of it, and you have the whole entire uh, device APIs kind of available to you. Nice, that's really cool. So you mentioned um, that you built it on Angular, uh, mm-hmm. but using Ionic. So Ionic is a package that helps you build tools on top of other frameworks. Is that right? Yeah, I guess like in, in a nutshell, Ionic itself um, it starts off as just like a UI layer. We give you like your own. I guess for lack of a better word, uh, the design system where we have these components that are themed to look um, as close as they possibly can with iOS's own internal designs and then also Android's uh, or material design uh, and their guidelines. So we, we follow those two you know, as nice. close as we possibly can. Um, but then to make sure that the integration with all the different frameworks re- work really well, um, we process those components uh, and end up creating like an Angular flavor, uh, a Vue flavor, or a React flavor, uh, as well as like your standalone, no framework at all, um, what we call core, uh, that everything hmm. kind of inherits from. Nice. I just I was just thinking of a catchphrase that you can have for free while I, while you were talking about that. And if you want to follow the Hig, hug your components with Ionic. That was terrible. I'm sorry. What? Who is this, Nick? Nick, you've not told one joke this entire 
time we've been on and now all of a sudden you're pulling out two like what man i want whatever you had for breakfast <laughs> which is probably a run and a whole bunch of lifting weights was i think what you probably had for breakfast are you oh, sure he didn't spoiler. have a uh <laughs> sure he didn't have like a pomegranate pomegranate no trying to go for you know what guys pomegranate. i'm gonna just leave i'm gonna leave and you guys just keep those jokes floating <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I heard that you uh, try, you know, you you implement, uh, you know, material and other things to the best that you can, which I, if you've ever tried to read the material spec and then follow it, uh, hats off to anyone who can implement things based on that. Because let me tell you, from experience, uh, really amazing. Hats off to those people who made a great thing. Uh, a lot of stuff doesn't exactly conform Although, uh, where it says it should, uh, just spoiler for anyone who, who thinks, oh yeah, I'm going to use material and it's really simple and everything just works, uh, technically maybe. Um, but I, I really love bumping up against things where, uh, it says it's spec this way, but then the implementation's this way, but then the usage is actually completely different. So fun stuff. Just sort of throw that out there for everyone listening. It's why I kind of add the, you know, as best as possible. Um, yeah. I, see, I caught that. That didn't escape me when you said as best okay. as possible. I'm like, yes, well, yes, we, that is right. We, it's the same thing on iOS, though. Like, there's some yeah. reason, for whatever reason, like, whatever the spec says and how the actual use case ends up being, there's a disconnect there. And it's like, well, do we follow the spec and, you know, say that we're 100% compliant, um, all gung-ho and everything? Or do we just go ahead and we do, you know, what ends up working really well? Um, and maybe it's like a pixel or two off from being spec compliant, but it's actually usable and people can actually ship something. Yeah. Just have a flag, follow spec. And then, you know, just like all these little tweaks, these little pixel off here, this off there. It's like, uh, yeah, if you, if you enable follow spec, you'll see how much like garbage it looks. So we'll, we'll add a little asterisk to everything. Actual spec following is close to 99.9% uh, accuracy. Yes. <laughs> We're going to need five nines there. <laughs> now, I, I didn't see your workshop, but I'm curious if it has anything to do with uh, something that I've been seeing you tweeting a lot about, which is this amazing Apple Music player. <laughs> um, it didn't it didn't directly but okay. the apple music player is you know kind of my my sample test case of what you could do uh with everything i have been building out maintaining this um sample music player that uses like the apple music api uh, and trying to build the best clone of apple music for ios ipad os um it's Again, as close as pixel perfect uh, as I can get it, you know, with some discrepancy. It's been a lot of fun. I'm like learning all this new like design and CSS uh, like properties that I've never actually had practical uh, needs to figure it to like learn it. So now it's like, oh, grid's actually pretty awesome. I need to like <laughs> play around with this more. Oh, wow. Backdrop filters. These are really cool, uh, but they're terrible for performance. I should probably get rid of that. So it's just been yeah. real fun. Yeah, it's such a cool implementation idea. Like as like a, you mentioned like a demo project or or like a, a sampling. Like it's it's pretty complex. It's more than just you know, a simple CRUD app. It's right. There's a lot to it, and it looks really cool, and it really like, shows off what you can do. 
Yeah, it, it gets like that a really good point where it's not your hello world, but I'm not throwing you into this like 600 component massive uh, app, app. I think at most I have like, I don't know, four or five different routes, uh, maybe, maybe 10, 10 different components. Uh, and I'm just using a lot of reuse here and there and um, some some duplication of code, even though I should be doing things dry. Um, <laughs> it, it just ends up being the best way to do it. Uh, and customizing the heck out of uh, Ionic itself to, to make it fit this one use case, show that that is possible. I really love that it's not your basic uh, Hello World type app because there's nothing I hate more um, then when you look at something and you're like, oh, I might want to use this technology. Let me see this example. And it's an example that on the surface appears to be actually doing something, but in reality, it's not actually doing anything. So you'll look at like, oh, this really cool dashboard. And you'll go to the dashboard and it's like, okay, it looks like a dashboard, but nothing actually does anything. It doesn't work. It doesn't, there's no real use case here. There's no data. There's nothing. You just, you just made something. You just, and I like that this actually does something and, it, and it's pretty cool. Nick, are you fixing a car? Just Nick's, just just so that everyone knows, uh, we have <laughs> encountered technical difficulties that we are going to cut out of the podcast. Maybe <laughs> I'll say that definitely isn't coming from your microphone. I hear a lot of yeah. clicks on Nick's end. So. Yeah, Nick's like he's over there changing a tire. I don't even. <laughs> Am I? Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, we we heard you the whole time. <laughs> did you? Yeah, <laughs> you were. Did did you have to like? Did you have to rebuild a computer down there, or like, did you? Was the engine not running? Spark you have, like, plug a little problem. Socket. Yeah, a little socket wrench. Went... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I'm almost tempted just to leave that in because it was actually really funny. Because I'm like, I think he's fixing a car now. Like it was. Yeah, it was pretty uh, good. I'm sure it. the listeners he... would love it. He needed to fix his computer so that way he could have more uh, more RAM to go run my app right now. <laughs> just that, it's just that good. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, I, I don't know what happened. The uh, the TS3 plus Thunderbolt dock just died. I guess I don't know. When I unplugged that and plugged it back in, then everything came back. So hmm. I'm back. Sounds like uh, sounds pretty right for hardware problems. Yeah, and you just updated to the new Mac OS. Yeah, that's a good call. I good have. thing to do midweek, Nick. <laughs> Never yeah. learned. This is not the first time it's happened. That's literally happened exactly that same thing, like a year ago when you updated to the last new version of Mac OS, and then in the middle of a day, you're just like, "Oh yeah, over lunch I did it. Now nothing works." <laughs> yeah, that's what happens, Nick. You're Can making me really regret um, updating myself. Now I'm sorry, <laughs> I was like, "Ooh." Is this going to cause any issues later on today? I I don't think so, honestly. I did it like Monday over lunch, and Nick, it just did. <laughs> what do you mean you don't think so? This is it the first, just the first issue. This is the first issue. You're we like it recorded. won't cause a problem as it causes a problem. <laughs> this is amazing. He doesn't learn. <laughs> oh, Nick. Anyway, you, Nick. I'm sorry about that, and I totally missed the last piece of of what you were saying, Mike. Um. But why don't you tell us uh, about what's been going on at Ionic uh, with your different products uh, since we last talked to you, or in the last year? Yeah, I mean, so the last few year, uh, the last year specifically, time's kind of irrelevant these days. Though it's hard to realize what what 
when's the last time we actually talked? Yeah. Um, we've we've had like some pretty big uh version releases. So we've had um like a full year of our frame core framework uh at its 5.0. Um just recently actually actually we uh we hit RC for um our next major release, so 6.0, uh, which is just includes like a whole lot of component refresh, uh, refreshments, kind of updating design to fit the new features, uh, adding new features to our components, and updating to like all the latest uh, framework versions. So I think we're do- going to be already on like types uh, React uh, like four, uh, 17 point something. Um, I don't know the actual minor. We're on. We've been on V3 for a while. We're on. Planning to be on Angular 13 once that is eventually released. Uh, TypeScript 4.4. So all the all the wonderful packages that we uh, that we use and support. Uh, we've also released our 3.0 of this other cool project that we have called Capacitor. Mm. Um, this is letting people do. Um, full cross-platform development. Um, they don't even need to use Ionic. They could just use it as their own little thing, bring their own UI library, whether it's Tailwind or no framework at all. Um, and you get access to all these uh, pretty cool native APIs. It was, uh, it was a pretty big undertaking to get it to get it up and running, but I'm pretty, pretty proud of how uh, successful it was. Nice. Yeah, I've recently heard more and more about capacitor and it's really interesting I yeah think... i think it's as like a platform it basically just gives you all the um the apis that you would basically want to get access to plus mm-hmm. an extension layer if you're like an author and you want to say hey there's this new apple api or i work for firebase and we have our whole sdk Let's provide a little shim layer so that way people could call that from their JavaScript code. And on Android, they're going to get the um, the proper Android library. On iOS, it's going to go grab the thing from CocoaPods, and it's going to give you uh, the proper Swift implementation. Nice. Very cool. Now, are all of these products kind of intermingled in a way, I guess? That might not be the right word, but like, you know, is, is Stencil like a, a core tenant of a lot of these projects? And how does that, how do they play together? Yeah, I mean, for 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 the framework itself, what we end up kind of doing is um, taking Stencil as like our, it's, it works in Stencil. Um, we kind of use that as like our place of testing everything and then eventually release it um, as a Stencil feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, Stencil development drives framework development and vice versa. But then also framework and sensible development drives um, the native side of things. So they all kind of drive one another um, based on needs, issues, bugs. Uh, it's a really nice kind of cross collaboration between all the teams that maintain it. Um, I think every now and then we just sit into like one giant Zoom call and are like, hey, uh, what are some big things that you need from us? What are some things that we can do to help you? Um, what are the common issues that you face? Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. And all of this is built in the open too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all on GitHub, MIT, open source. Uh, you know, we we started off as like an open source company, and all of the of the core like 
products, I guess, or all the core core projects are up there and will always be free and open source. Um, and then we just build on top of that for, for commercial stuff. Nice. How has, uh, or has there been any like recent changes to TypeScript that have been really beneficial to any of the projects? I will... Beneficial. I, I honestly, I say, I wouldn't say anything, anything stands out as being like super beneficial. And I say that in a very positive way. Yeah. Like TypeScript's been able to chug along and add new features and add everything. And, um, you know, we, we haven't hit any roadblocks. So everything's been beneficial for us, I guess this is the best way to answer that. We've been yeah. able to just, okay, adopt uh all the new updates as soon as they come in nice now uh before we got on this call you mentioned um kind of a good way to do design systems with typescript can you elaborate on that a bit more yeah um so the design systems angle um we kind of break it down uh with with stencil um at its core Ionic itself is really a design system. It just happens to be implementations of two different designs. Um, and Stencil is what really drives that. So we've been kind of gearing Stencil to be this open source design systems platform that other people could adopt and take whatever design um, their teams have come up, come up with and give them the tools to say, here is our common set of uh, UI elements here is a way that we can take them to uh, Angular, React, Vue, and have kind of a consistent um, you know, core layer without having to constantly re-implement it across the uh, across an organization. And like I, I think I talked about this at the um, at TSConf last year. Uh, like TypeScript, uh, TypeScript is like essential to how Stencil works. Like everything that is being done in there, it takes your component, it reads the types, modifies the code that's coming out from it, uh, and gives you a basic vanilla web component. But how it's able to process those types directly affects how you know the React version is going to look. Hmm. It'll take out all the props that we've defined in our stencil component and say react here are the available props here are the available um events that could be on it and we'll map that back to work with react's event system uh same thing with view and same thing with angular um, all those types get derived from the original um, types that come out of the core component nice that's really like i'm interested in like how the tooling for something like that works? Is it like doing something like with the AST and, and deriving those props from there? It's so much AST traversal. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we have our own little thin wrapper around obviously TSC. And then from there, we're able to just create this massive TypeScript program, uh, compilation program. And as we are processing everything, we're kind of, all right, we see we have in, in Sensel itself, like it's all decorator based. And so we're modifying all those decorators. Like, all right, we have a decorator of type um, prop, expose this as a attribute, and then also as a class property on the element. 
and how all that works it's it can be a lot to go uh to go through um but it's so cool to see it like once it's actually done like oh it, it works really well and it's super fast that is so cool yeah just ast walking and and like you know deriving code from other code is like it just feels like so much more of a superpower on top of the superpower of programming which is just i love it so one of the fun stories like one of the original authors of stencil um he went he went like away for a week and then came back with this this whole breakdown of how an ast works and he was trying to explain every little bit about it and then ast inside of typescript itself is probably one of the more complex portion uh parts of like typescript as a whole not just language but like a whole tooling platform service and it's just sitting there it's like all right well then we have this identifier and then it breaks down to all these different objects like all right <laughs> so you like spent stayed up for a week straight possibly uh like trying to understand all this stuff <laughs> it's great it works though it's like charlie at the board with the red string Tying I was things just going to say that like at some point it becomes indistinguishable from, from the, uh, it's always sunny meme. Can we talk about the TypeScript? I want to talk about the TypeScript. I've been dying to talk about TypeScript. <laughs> oh man. Well, cool. Um, Mike, anything else you want to share with us about Ionic stencil capacitor, uh, TypeScript, anything. Yeah, um, so Stencil itself, um, I know the, the community behind it has kind of commented before that there's feels like there's been a little bit of a lull um, in activity. Um, is I think like the comment that people threw, asked was like, is Stencil dead? Um, which is totally, totally not not the case. Uh, we use it for, for everything internally, so why would we uh, get rid of it? Uh, we've actually been doubling down on our, our stencil investment. We've hired like a full new team uh, to to work on the project, staffing it with a bunch of engineers. Um, we even even hired our own dedicated uh, DevRel person to work uh, specifically on stencil. Nice. Um, so I don't know. Maybe next time I won't be invited, and and, uh, <laughs> and Anthony will. Um, but yeah, we've been like kind of doing everything that we can to like keep stencil which again it's all typescript uh to keep that at like the forefront and make sure that we are doing whatever we can to uh, support our amazing community um and uh keep keep stencil alive and keep everything else going nice yeah i th those uh rumors of stencil's demise haven't made it around my ears yet uh which is good uh and it's the library that i would reach for for doing web components work. And I, I've just heard really cool things about it. I played with it a little bit uh, at a previous company. I did use it a little bit and it was just really nice. You know, if I remember correctly, you you can basically write the web components in a JSX style syntax, right? Yeah, so you author everything as JSX, um, which you can. people have opinions on that. I'm not the biggest fan, but uh, at the end of the day, it's just a, just a way to get some DOM instructions in there. I yeah. don't necessarily care. Um, 
And then after the compilation is done, everything either becomes like um, stuffed into the Shadow DOM. You can expose the different slot properties, um, customize it with different uh, CSS parts, um, do some pretty, pretty cool stuff with it, uh, and then have it all be encapsulated so that way. Um, you know, Nick slash item uh, is its own individual component that is truly encapsulated into its own thing and uh, never going to leak out into mic item or any other component. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have more of a React background for sure. And so it is more comfortable for me to go look at that JSX style. Right. So I, I do, I, I but I see why people like it and don't like it. Definitely. And the Angular background, so HTML yep. is... Uh, my jam understood well we can all play together and we can all play together with ionic which is great there we go there we go see that's a better catchphrase we can all play together with ionic i don't know what one you were trying on earlier but see it doesn't have to be a pun <laughs> like it can just be a good catchphrase the hig like the human interface guidelines no we, we got it no okay. we got it everyone <laughs> understood it well it was good what was it give the hig a hug with ionic yeah. Or we can all play together <laughs> with Ionic. I think I think I'm gonna have to bring this to a vote in front of the team. Say, all right, we need a new catchphrase. I got two options for everyone. You have the Higa hug with Ionic, or we can all play well together. Send me a t-shirt either way. Oh, I am def <laughs> I will definitely I'll make t-shirts, stickers, and everything for it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. And uh yeah, definitely how, uh, we'll have you back to talk more about stencil in the future because, or, or the other DevRel person, because that would be an awesome topic to talk about in more detail. Yeah, yeah we're definitely. not going to have anyone else on. It's only going to be Mike, just so that everyone's clear. <laughs> we're not inviting anyone else. It's you. It's just going to be me from, yeah. from here on out forever. Yeah, forever. Like no matter what happens, every guest is just going to be Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. You have me. Again, for the 30th <laughs> week in a row. <laughs> Today, talking about Microsoft, here's Mike. <laughs> We're going to talk about microservices with Mike. <laughs> this, the topics just write themselves. It's amazing. Yeah. This is how we keep this podcast going. Just, <laughs> we're, the, we're the manatee balls from South Park. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, take it away, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. And we are back. Uh, we are talking to Luis Alvarez and Jose Leon. Uh, Luis, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi. I'm Luis Alvarez, Luis Fernando Alvarez. I'm a. Um, 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 an, an engineer on the Stack Builders team, uh, and um, and yeah, uh, I have uh, quite a few years of experience, like uh, ten years of experience in in the field, and a few years with TypeScript, a few years less than that, um, and yeah, happy to be here and to share a bit of of the functional programming world with you. Absolutely, welcome to the show. We're excited to talk about that. And uh, Jose, welcome to the show. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah, well, my name is Jose Leon. Um, I'm also an engineer at, at Spectulars. 
I've been working there for uh, a little bit more than three years and I think I have I don't know how much of time and experience like developing but I would say at least five or six years count for that um, and yeah I've been working a lot with TypeScript and functional programming and um, reactive programming and a, a lot of, of the things and I think uh, especially TypeScript could help me a lot on, on that way. So nice. yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, absolutely. TypeScript has uh, helped us all, I think. Um, so before we get started, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Stack Builders is? Sure. Um, Stack Builders is a company um, with offices in Quito, Ecuador, and um, and um, and we're opening an office in Spain this year. Um, nice. And we are a consultancy that specializes in delivering just robust software solutions. And this, uh, this we do by uh, usage of functional programming. So our favorite language in this case is Haskell. Uh, but we have a lot of projects with non-functional languages or non-traditionally uh, functional languages. And we try to put this little functional spin on every language we touch, right? And uh, in this in these projects, as I said, we try to apply these core concepts. Um, we try to make the client's core code more readable and more testable. Uh, we also love TDD and we love type safety, and and that's why we love TypeScript. And we have um, a few a few projects with that. Uh, and we have used TypeScript in both backend in Node.js Express and in front end with uh, with React, React Native, uh, and and maybe Jose can tell us uh, a bit later about his experience integrating with a Haskell backend um, with a front end, uh, a, a React Native front end with TypeScript, which nice. is which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, I'll pretend that I didn't hear that your favorite language was Haskell on a, on this TypeScript-centric podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We love all languages, uh, especially TypeScript. Not all of them. <laughs> there are. I have a list I'm keeping, but we'll save that for another one. My grievance list at the end of the year will do. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, uh, but in Haskell defense, it integrates well with, with TypeScript, with some tools. Yeah. That the, the, the bridge uh, between the types is, is great. Mm-hmm. Nice. I honestly can't say that I've looked at Haskell too much, um, so I can't I can't diss on it too much. I guess. <laughs> well, they also um, have Ruby and Python on their site, so I don't know which one. You guys don't tune in to the uh, episode that I go on about which ones I don't like. I'm not a programmer <laughs> anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of those dynamic languages, uh, yeah, they're they're tricky. Uh, but but yeah, we try to put that the functional spin. Even if you don't have strict types, I think you can do uh, a lot of good things. Well, by having small functions and compose and composition and things that we use in functional programming, right? Yeah. Do you want to maybe uh, give a brief explanation of functional programming? Sure. Uh, so functional programming is is a paradigm. Um, so it's um, so object oriented is would be the kind of other uh, paradigm, and functional programming basically uh, tells you that everything is a function, or you should treat everything as a function, but not any function, right? Um, these functions need to be pure, uh, mm -hmm. which means they don't, uh, they can't have side effects. Uh, a side effect. Let's let's talk about uh, I don't know reading from uh, from I/O or uh, reading from database or. Um, or even outputting things to a console because that is not kind of um, kind of the, the math, mathematical approach to it. Uh, in, in math, you have a function and then you have an input value and then you have you always have the same output value. 
for that function. And, and this is kind of the, the core of functional programming, avoiding these side effects. Um, and, uh, and then you have concepts like immutability, which is defining everything as a constant. Uh, you, don't, you don't mutate state, you don't mutate any variable during the execution of the program. Uh, and then you have a concept called referential transparency, which uh, basically um, allows you to switch uh, the execution or the evaluation of a function by its resulting value. And, and this is important because it uh, makes everything predictable. So these, mm. these small functions are predictable, are composable. If you test these functions um, uh, on, on their own and then you integrate those functions, you can, uh, you can almost always be sure that, that the integrated uh, pipeline will work. And uh, and talking about uh, a bit about JavaScript and TypeScript, right? Um, you can do some nice uh, functional patterns uh, with with that. Just because in, in JavaScript you have uh, functions as higher order functions and f functions as first class citizens, and uh, and this is this is really important to apply some of these concepts like composition or like um, like yeah, having a pipeline of, of of data that flows through. So yeah, that's that's functional programming. Uh, it's not that you have to do all functional or all um, object-oriented. They can mm -hmm. be integrated, and some of these concepts can be integrated with other paradigms, which is which is really good. And you don't have to change just your whole uh, your whole uh, code style from from one from A to B, right? You just can go progressively, like TypeScript, yeah. like yeah, like going just enabling some of the compiler features, you can do exact, exactly the same with functional programming, just doing small things that improve your code base. Nice, so well, is that kind of like what you follow in terms of like, you know, you mentioned not having side effects, uh, but like, you know, writing to a database is pretty practical for a, a modern application. Uh, so like, is that what you mean by like mixing and matching, being able to manage the side effects in a more manageable way, I guess, and then Right, so there there are ways in functional programming to manage these side effects with some some structures like monads and 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 and, and some other some other uh, more advanced types and and uh, Nikos can tell tells us a lot more about that because he he really knows uh, his his stuff in, in functional programming. Uh, but uh, what I mean is, uh, even if you do object oriented programming, uh, having small functions helps a lot. We usually see. Uh, functions for 100 lines of code and that is that is not good when you have to debug it's better to have stop working on my code yeah <laughs> sorry uh, i was looking at your github profile <laughs> no just kidding um and and this this is very convenient because it makes your code easy to reason about right you have um you have small functions that that can be reused that can be composed that can be tested uh, on their own uh, that can be tested without these side effects that you know that are predictable um and uh and as i said it's, it's an easier testing at the unit and integration levels and uh, in in some cases in, in functional languages and then when you have a, a static check-in uh there's this this test pyramid that we talk about every time, right? And and uh, uh, lately, I've been hearing a lot about these test trophy, which is yes. leaving those test test cases to the compiler, and 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 you don't have to deal a lot with edge cases that you would have with a dynamic language, mm -hmm. uh, because you leave that to the compiler. And uh, yeah, it it's usually 
uh, not that not uh, most most functional languages have these uh, type safety like uh, inherent to them but it's it's good to consider that um, yep I, I think that's that's kind of that's kind of the overview of functional programming so so today I just learned that um, a functional programmer is not the same as like a functional alcoholic where you just can't admit you have a problem <laughs> that there is actually something more to it which is nice and that a test pyramid is actually not a pyramid scheme. So that's nice to know, too, because I was worried as soon as you said it. I'm like, here he goes. He's going to try to get me to get two of my friends to do it and then two of my, their friends to do it. But, you know, it's good. It's good to know. <laughs> you know, there there are a lot of uh, of people that get so deep into functional programming that are, are kind of like, yeah, they pull you into it and, and they're super obsessed with, with types and everything. But yeah, I, I think um, having that gradual adoption is important for, for things like this. Uh, it, it can be daunting. It has some super advanced mathematical concepts. And, and, um, and yeah, it, you kind of turn people away if you, if you just go too deep on the, on the, first, uh, on the first approach, right? Yeah. Here's all this theory. <laughs> it's very and practical that, eventually, but start with this theory. That that's always the big hang up, I guess. Yeah. So like how do you yeah, spot exactly. a functional programmer in a room? Don't worry, they'll let you know. Is that the same kind of thing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. So um you mentioned um doing functional programming with TypeScript and, and how that's been really beneficial. Can you um elaborate on that a little bit about what what specifically about TypeScript really helps with functional programming? Right, I'll, I'll leave Jose to ask to answer sure. this one. He's the super specialist here. Well, uh, yeah. So, working with functional programming, I mean TypeScript and functional programming, um, there's a lot of benefits with the whole type system that we have with TypeScript. The whole dynamic way of defining also the types, uh, type inference, for example, uh, let us know what function could be even if we don't really know what the type is. I mean, just by the, the whole definition. Um, there is a great library that uh, we have used in some projects, which is called FPTS, right? Um, and this library has all these kind of abstractions uh, for um, for functional programming, right? It, it, it creates um, things, I mean, types for uh, monads, uh, applicatives, uh, things like that, or piping, and it lets you uh, work all through uh, all, all through all these um, pipeable or or composable functions within uh, within your your code base, right? Um, so how also helps the TypeScript is is the safety the safety of knowing that you are going through this pipe, right? You're going through this pipe of data or or transforming data, for example. And you know that while you are transforming it, uh, you're sure and safe that things are going to change on the, on the way you want it to change, on the, the way you have defined them to change, right? So you, if, even though you are inside a monad, we have talked about, uh, about these monads and, and, and applicatives. These are kind of very, very uh, big concepts. Um, but I like to seem just like, for example, like a wrapper, like it's like small wrapper. It's a wrapper that contains could contain a value or something like that, right? Hmm. Let's think of on an optional. Uh, we can wrap something that could exist or not exist, right? And doing that usually it's it's it could be very difficult, right? Let's let's talk about vanilla JavaScript, right? It could be very difficult because you just don't know what it is in, in there, right? 
you, you know that it could exist or not exist, but you don't know what is in there. But with TypeScript, you can know, and 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 you can um, compose things with these monads and keep moving forward with your composition, your data data structures, right? And um, be sure that that is exist. Also, uh, I, I I must say that um, um, generics are the other pillar for that. I mean, generics allow us to do incredible things with with TypeScript mm-hmm. and and yeah absolutely so it's really the 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 type safety that it brings um i was i was going to ask if it's things like i mean typescript doesn't really add immutability but like there is kind of a little bit of compile time or uh yeah compile time immutability in terms of like you know the as const uh and things like that um do you find that to be helpful or yeah or, i mean um, well, as you said, TypeScript does not give us all immutability out of the box, but they give us tools, right? Mm-hmm. For example, we got this keyword, the read-only keyword, that allow us yeah. for things to be read-only, right? And the compiler, compiler will know and let you know that you cannot mutate, you cannot change this. Um, it, it, indeed, it gives a little bit of overhead because you have to annotate everything with read-only, right? All objects, all arrays, all or everything, right? If you are working with classes, you will have to define your your uh, the methods and the sorry the the properties inside the class as read only, right? Mm-hmm. But um, as as Luis Fernando was saying before, um, it could be a little bit too much. I, I mean, it, going that way could be a, to be a little bit too strict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as you stick to the principles. For example, as long as you know that you should not mutate or change your state because it could propagate effects throughout your code base, um, it would be okay if you don't take everything with read-only, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that practical approach to it. And and uh, like Luis said, you can really you know, start small. You don't have to convert everything over and you'll get immediate benefits because that new code that you write will be much more testable uh, and potentially reusable as well, which is really cool. So uh, as a parting thought, um, do you have a, a recommended place to get started? Uh, if you, if a listener wants to, you know, try out some functional paradigms in their code today, um, do you have any references or ideas or thoughts about how to get started with that? Right, I can, I think I, think I can take this one. Um, so. I remember my, my first approach into functional programming and to functional concepts is wrapping your head around map, filter, and reduce, which are the, the most important functions in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the functional world. Um, and these and these really change the game because you start uh, thinking less of an uh, of an uh, an imperative style and start thinking more about a declarative style. How do I do? How do I not tell the computer how to do things, but instead what to do? And that that is kind of the the big, the big part of me and the big breakthrough. And I had to rethink all of the algorithms and all of the problems that I solved using a for loop and mutating everything, mm-hmm. um, just using a map or a filter or a reduce. And you can do, and, and I would say that reduce, you can do everything with reduce. Uh, map and filter are disposable, but reduce, you can do anything virtually with it. Uh, and, you do everything uh, and, except remember the, the um, order of the arguments to it, in my case. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
And uh, and one of the the libraries that I remember using uh, when, when I started with this is Ramda. It's, it's called uh, it's Ramda JS, and this provides a lot of of different um, helpers because you do a lot of uh, of very common operations like zipping to arrays or like uh, filtering out or like uh, I don't know. Um, there are several functions in in Ramda that, that help you do that, and Ramda has really strong uh, typing, uh, the really strong um, TypeScript types. So um, it's it's easier to reason about. It, it's what I said before, right? You have uh, like the most common uh, exercise that you will find is you pull from an API and you have to transform that data of type A into B and then into C and then into D then instead of having a huge function that goes from A to D, you have a function that transforms A to B, B to C, C to D, and then you compose that. And uh, and I was remembering yesterday uh, with Jose how we used to uh, how we used to type the compose function, and it was it was pretty it was pretty bad at that time, just because it, TypeScript didn't have the nice things that has has uh, at this point because it has evolved a lot between the last four years that I started mm -hmm. using it. And uh, and I would start there. I would start in uh, in, in in Ramda, and then if you want to go uh, to more deeper uh, concepts uh, about functional programming, then you can try Sanctuary JS, which is uh, a good a good approach to to types as well. Uh, and then you go to FPTS, which Jose mentioned, which I think it has some really nice abstractions on top of 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 TypeScript. But and, and here's kind of the 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 the, the sales pitch. Uh, but to go functional, then I think the best language just to grasp these concepts uh, is going to be Haskell or a purely functional language, just because of the of of the fact that you can't do those things. You can't define a variable. You need to define a function. You need to think uh, functionally for those. And even if you are not going to do Haskell in the future, it really helps uh, your TypeScript game, your JavaScript game. Every every other language game that you they wanna. They it's wanna gonna be awkward later. that we uh, we actually in post production beep out every uh, time you say Haskell. <laughs> it's just a bleep. So um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, the, 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 I'm I'm gonna call it the language that shouldn't be mentioned. Uh, yes, from now yes, on. yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that that's great. Uh, I I remember years ago there was a book series that I was going through. I think it was something like seven languages in seven weeks or something like that. And uh, it really drilled into me like the importance of learning, learning from other languages, because you can bring that over to whatever language that you're working in. And I think that you're right, Haskell or another functional language like this could be a really good playground to understand these concept concepts better and then bring them over to where they will practically work for you. Because at the end of the day, we just want to write good, well-tested uh, software and yeah, that, that's a, a great a great way to to get those paradigms down. So yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, and actually, FPTS is inspired by by Haskell, PureScript, and uh, Elixir. If I'm not wrong, but yeah, we we can get inspired from all these languages and the features they have, and we can bring them to to the language that we love, right? And with TypeScript, we can do it. We can do it in a safe way and in a great way, right? Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, Luis and Jose, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you both for having us. Yeah, it was nice being here. Thank you. Thanks.
All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us online at talkscript.fm. You can subscribe or follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods casted to. The theme music is by Rabbit at rabbitttheband.com. Gonna see where the day goes. Take it fast, take it real slow. We got a good.